maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we tackle a bothersome book club buddy. We handle the question of if you can ask for honeymoon money when you didn't invite anyone to your wedding. We also take a look at how to let a couple know you made a donation in their name and if you should attend the funeral of someone you've never met in person. All that, plus in our Postscript segment, we revisit the foundation of our etiquette and walk you through our principles of consideration, respect, and honesty. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning, and we're from the Emily Post Institute. Holy weekend, Batman. I know. (laughs) It was long, and yet it went so fast. I know. You really, truly had a long weekend because you were away. You were down in the Hamptons. I did. I got out of town on Thursday afternoon, met my friends at the beach, spent a solid four days. It seems like our long weekend gets a little bit longer each summer. Yeah, This is an (laughs) annual boys trip. It is. Yeah. Okay. Some college friends who uh, went to school together out west and are now mostly back on the East Coast get together for a long weekend at the end of the summer. It's a chance to touch base and reconnect. And in some ways, it's really solidified those friendships. Okay, so I had an awesome time. How was your weekend, Cousin Lizzie? (laughs) I had a great weekend. I had one of those unexpected weekends where a friend of mine and I just, you know, had fun, went to a show of his. And then it was just kind of one of those where your hangout just kept rolling along throughout the weekend. You're kind of like, you know what? We're having fun. Let's just, we'll pal around for the weekend. And drove all over our beautiful state of Vermont um, Mm. and actually went up to Lake Willoughby, which I had never been to for the first time. And it was unbelievable. I'm I'm going next weekend. I'm so excited because the water is gorgeous. It's the cleanest lake I've ever seen. It's really deep. It's an unusual lake for Vermont because it's so deep. It's a mountain lake up in northern Vermont, but it's different than a lot of the other lakes and ponds that we're used to in the state. Yeah, and it just, it is the clearest, cleanest water I've ever gotten to swim in. It was really beautiful and, and really fun, and we capped it off with a big Italian dinner, and it was just one of those pal around, good, be out in Vermont, enjoying Vermont kind of weekends, and I, I loved that so much. You know, it's one of my mother's favorite topics, how incredible Vermont is in the summer. She says everyone oh. thinks of the leaves changing and the skiing in the winter, but it's the green mountain yes. state. And it's really summertime that's one of the best seasons to be here. Exactly. No, it is It is absolutely stunning. So it was a quiet and enjoyable weekend. And you had kind of like a fun-filled, exciting weekend away. And now we're here and we're ready for our show. Shall we get to some questions? Let's get to some questions. Sure, you're right. But there's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn. But it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or give us a call at 802-866-0860. Our first question today is titled, Wedding Announcements Equals No Gifts. My name is Krista, and my fiancé's name is Jason. I'm 38, and I've been married before. He is 32 and hasn't been married. We've decided that we're going to do our wedding at the Justice of the Peace slash courthouse, just the two of us, with our parents as witnesses. My mother keeps insisting that we have a party, and his family keeps asking about a wedding registry. We have all the pots and pans, dishes, towels, and crockpots that a couple could want. How can we send out a wedding announcement or engagement announcement before our wedding, suggesting people to donate to our honeymoon fund? Krista. Krista, first, congratulations to you and your fiancé. That's a really exciting time, and I think it's very cool in a world of not 
that these types of weddings are bad in any way, shape or form. But in a world where we put a lot of emphasis on the wedding party and everything, it's kind of it's always refreshing to hear someone doing just like a justice of the peace with parents there or something that's really small and intimate. I just your mom got married that way. It's Dan. practically a sending family tradition. Yeah, Not really. All of my dad's siblings. Oh, OK. Because I was going to say you and your brother both had big weddings with lots of fun. And both of us assumed we'd get married at a justice of the peace ceremony. <laughs> I didn't know that. It happens. I knew your mom, your mom had, but I didn't know that. Um, however, I have to caution you on what you're hoping to do because it doesn't fall within the realm of expected etiquette. Um, you can't send an announcement out for a wedding that hasn't happened yet. Announcements come after the event. So when you graduate, you send an announcement after the graduation. When you get married, you send an announcement after. When a baby comes, you send the announcement after the event has happened. That's what it is doing, is announcing that the event has happened. An invitation is what comes beforehand. And your mother wants to have a party, which is great. And if you guys decide to do that, one thing that you need to recognize is that for a reception like this that would be after a ceremony that no one else is invited to, this is considered a belated reception. And it is not something that gifts are uh, done for. And so it's it's an option for people to give a gift. It's not that social obligation that we, you hear us talk about on the show. Uh, so in that regard, you never set up a registry for it. And you, because that would be the assumption that you're expecting people to donate to a honey fund or to, to give you gifts. And that's not... Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. It just doesn't come across with the right tone. Hey, come give us gifts, even though you didn't get to see us actually take our vows. I think if people decide to donate and if by word of mouth they're asking your parents and saying, hey, we really want to do something. We're so happy for the couple. What could we do? Then I think your parents could say, you know what? They so deserve a wonderful honeymoon. And if you wanted to send them a check or something to contribute to that, I know they would be really grateful for that. But we recognize that this is a belated reception and gifts aren't necessary. The real key, the point of etiquette here is that you want to avoid giving the impression that you're assuming or expecting that people are going to be giving a gift. And that's for the nature of how this wedding is happening. Um, you know, if, if you did go the route of inviting people to the party and doing the big, you know, the, the vows and everything, then that's a more traditional wedding. And that then kind of falls under the invitation to the, you know, the really big event and the, the obligation and all of that. But it, the way that this is set up, that's not what's going to be happening. And so you kind of have to run a different path with it. 
Krista, I think it's really important to remember that your wedding is really your choice and it's how you want it to be. And I love the fact that you and your fiance want this super uh, simple and sweet uh, affair with just your parents there and a justice of the peace. And I think it's wonderful to keep the focus there. The announcement then goes out after the ceremonies happened. You can send invitations for this belated party. And then by word of mouth, if people really want to give a gift to you, your parents can let them know that a donation to a honeymoon would be really wonderful. And that that really will be the best from an etiquette perspective way to proceed through this. But mostly we hope that this day is fabulous for you. And that even though you didn't want the party, that if your parents do throw the party, that y'all have a really wonderful time. Our next question is titled Banned from Book Club. Dear Lizzie and Dan, almost 15 years ago, I began a book club with a few close friends that I wanted to get to know better. We are a group of 11, ranging in age from 40s to 70s. Molly is a newer member. Her demeanor and voice, tone, and quality are powerful cutting through other conversations and overpowering softer, slower speakers. If you stop for a moment to craft a phrase in your mind or find the right word to describe what you're feeling, Molly often jumps in and the original speaker never finishes. I have watched other members roll their eyes or sigh when they get cut off, and I know because many have expressed it to me that they feel the same way about this member. I have used diplomacy and my group leading skills to cut Molly off and ask the first speaker to finish. We've spoken as a group about the importance of letting people finish and respecting the person speaking at the moment. In her defense, or to round out the info, Molly has great book picks, needs the social interaction since her divorce, and is an extrovert to my introvert tendencies. After last night's book club, I told my friend on the way home that I am at the point where I see three options for myself. One, I quit. Two, Molly quits. Or three, Molly's behavior changes drastically. As the group founder, I have a feeling that the best way to approach this is to invite Molly for coffee and talk this out. Are there other options? Gratefully, stymied. One of my favorite words, by the way. Stymied. <laughs> I love that word. Um, this is a really, I, I just want to commend stymied because she has actually done what we're going to talk about in our postscript, which is the consideration, respect, and honesty. She's looking at the situation and thinking about all the people involved and how they're affected. And I think that's amazing. She's considering not just how Molly's behavior affects the group, but also what, where's Molly coming from? You know, Molly's gone through a divorce. She needs some social interaction right now. So she's really thinking of it wholeheartedly. And she's got an idea that there are different ways this can move forward. And that really empowers Stymied to make a choice. And that's one of my favorite things about etiquette is it's about making good choices, good social choices. Um, I also want to just take a great big step back and also applaud Stymied for starting a book club and for keeping it going for 15 years. It's a big accomplishment. Uh, um, from the perspective of a family that's been in the book business for a long time, I certainly appreciate people who continue to appreciate and build culture and interaction and relationships around books. So thank you and keep it up. And I, I want to support you in every way that I can doing that. So how do you keep this club going? How do you keep it moving smoothly? I think that you're already on the right track. Um, I think you're going to want to talk to Molly about this. That is the advice that I would give. I think that's the best approach. Um, there is certainly option one. You could quit. That is completely under your control. You are responsible for yourself and your reactions and your feelings. And ultimately, you get to decide. And if you don't want to continue to participate, you don't have to. You can excuse yourself from the group. And based on how this question was asked, I am sure you could execute that move uh, subtly with tact. And it, would, it, it wouldn't even necessarily be awkward. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Although as the group founder, I think it would be noticed. And I don't think that that's the desired outcome here. So how do you have that discussion? Because this is potentially an embarrassing discussion for Molly, you're going to be pointing out something about her behavior that other people are finding awkward or 
just out of place. Well, and then, like a whole group is finding awkward out of place. You want to be delicate with this. Absolutely. So you want to do this discussion in private. You clearly want to talk to Molly. You want to ask her to meet you somewhere where you're going to be able to have this discussion and both say what you need to say and also hear what she might have to say in response. Right. This isn't the kind of thing that you want to point out in the moment. This is not like uh, you, you can't kind of do that little quick finger to the tooth or be like, um, Molly, someone else was talking, which she's already tried doing that. I feel like we've had some in the moment. Exactly. Corrections. That haven't been absorbed, clearly. Well, and and the whole group has addressed the topic generally of how do we approach discussions? Is interrupting controlling? We're really going to make an effort to let people finish. And if that hasn't landed particularly, then it's time to escalate that conversation. That's what we're talking about. And what's awesome is that Stymied has done that. So it's not like these are uh, rules of the group that have never been communicated to Molly before. As a group, they've discussed it. So it really puts Stymied in a great position to have this private conversation and say, Molly, I know that you've heard us talk about these things in group, and I just I'm not sure that you're aware. However, there are a number of times where I'm really noticing and some of the other group members have noticed as well that you are cutting people off and I'm hearing from them that it makes them feel then use the appropriate adjectives for how it makes them feel. Um, I won't put words in their mouth, but it it makes them feel either. Wait, and now I have to put words in their mouth, don't I? Um, uh, uh, Disrespected or it Mm -hmm. makes them feel like their point of view doesn't matter. And I think it's really important to our group that people are given time to think about their answers or to find the word that they're looking for. And when you jump in to suggest, yes, you are furthering the conversation, which is, I think, your wonderful intention. However, it's really causing others to feel frustrated or upset or feel like they're getting cut off. And so I want to encourage you that if you're going to continue to be in our group, that you really need to let other people speak and give them the time to speak. I love that sample script. (laughs) I love it up until the end where you then tell her what to do moving forward. Really? See, that's the part I like because they're in a group situation and there is a leader. Yes. And I, it's funny because as, <laughs> yeah, no, as you were me, doing it, I really I, 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 I was loving that sample yeah. script. I, I liked all of it. I liked um, I would also want to tell her something about how I've noticed the group dynamic change mm-hmm. that for 12 years, the group functioned in this way. I, I was trying to think of some way so to for bring 12 years has been this way. And then you come and we're screwed. No. <laughs> yes, because in some ways you're trying to share that broader perspective. Of course, again, I'm thinking to myself, you're better with the sample script. Is there a way to say that gently? Is there a way to let someone know that the group dynamic has really shifted? Because she I might not that, know that otherwise. I think that I, I, I worry about placing the whole shift of the group dynamic on her. I think that sure. might be added stress. Whereas I think coming from the position of being a leader, when I ran my soccer group, Mm-hmm. There were problematic people sometimes. They didn't show up on time. They canceled. And I had to say, listen, these are the group rules that we've set and operate by. And I think that's the way to approach this with Molly. And because they've had those discussions mm-hmm. in group, I think it, I think you can limit the amount of severity that you have to show her in order to instead say, you know, this is how we operate. And I'm noticing that it's not as easy for you to operate within this setup. And I want to encourage you to operate within it. And if you don't, though, I might have to ask you to leave and say that can we do something else together that would be really fun and engaging? Because again, stymied has recognized that this is a time in Molly's life where it would be really beneficial to have a group of people around Mm. or to have something social to do. Might not be possible to ask her to leave. Yeah, it is. Uh, It's your group. You run it. You can ask them to leave. I th- yes, I just, it, but, it, but if, if you're not, if you're not that kind of a leader of the group, if oh, the group oh, doesn't see. have yes. a, a structure like that. If you're not comfortable with that, understood. I'm less interested in continuing to participate. If we can't reach some sort of accord where we have these discussions appropriately, even if you can't ask the person to leave, you could tell them that it's so bad that you were thinking about leaving yourself. I think that that's really it's so bad that the leader of the group wants to disband the whole group or leave it. That's I mean, what she's been talking. about. I know that's what she's been talking about, but I don't think that's considering Molly. I think that I think you I that think, puts too much on Molly. Well, I, yeah. And I also think that as the leader of the group, 
and as, as something that you've put together, you have an absolute right to ask somebody to leave if they aren't participating and you've given them a real chance to do so. And I think the point that we're at in this problem that Stymied is, is figuring out is Molly hasn't picked up on the cues that were the gentle, subtle reminders of, you know, corrections in moment as well as group discussions about how the group participates. So now it's time to say, Molly, you're not participating the way that we as a group have laid out that we participate. So I need to talk to you. either you have to participate that way yeah. or unfortunately, it's not something you can participate in anymore. Help me out with one more piece of language. Please. <clears throat> Would I'll you... try. I, th- again, this is a tough scenario. This is not an easy thing. How would you approach or would you acknowledge that Molly might be used to a different kind of discussion format that you might say, you know, you you might acknowledge that she's used to maybe a more vigorous back and forth, maybe. Yeah, you could say, you know, maybe in other group other groups or or book clubs that you've been in it's been a faster communication dynamic or you know the conversation is like boom 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 but as you've heard us say in our group we wait for people to finish we do this and the thing is is you bring these amazing books and these wonderful ideas and we want you to be part of the group but i have to i have to stand up for the group and say that we need you to be able to participate in the way that we've laid out I really like that where you start to appreciate the the things she's bringing also. I love the fact that Stymie did that. My only other thing is that I would say, what can we do moving forward so that if you want to stay in the group and participate to let you know when this is happening? Mm. Because I really want to want to protect both you in the group and and the other ladies in the group, because it is a fun dynamic and there are such great thoughts to be heard. But I really want to make sure I'm in a position as the leader where I really need to balance that. I really like that. If if I were Molly, that would make me feel better. <laughs> that, that... I hope so. And remember, you and I have always said this might not go over well. Molly might be really upset even when mm-hmm. you say things in the best way possible. But give her a minute. Say, take some time to think about it. Or, you know, again, we love having you. So if this is something you think we can work on, I would love to make sure that you're still a part of the group. I like that. I'll tell you, there was something else that you said as we were sort of wrestling with what's okay to talk about here and how you talk about it. You said something to the effect of, I I think that gets too heavy. And I think that you could say what I was just saying. I have to leave. I have to leave because you're too much. Yeah. (laughs) And and, and that you felt you could deliver a message that I thought was a little hard, but that you could deliver it lightly. And that was a piece of etiquette advice I was thinking about (laughs) as I was reading this whole question. Yeah. Oftentimes the the biggest trick with having a difficult conversation is that it's going to be difficult. There is no easy way to say people are bothered by the way you interact or I am bothered by the way you interact. If you could say it without putting the weight of the world on it, (laughs) on your own shoulders, on the other person, that, you know, people survive. People survive book clubs. People survive difficult conversations. And you can get together and talk about saving a friendship's getting through a book club meeting so that friendships can grow and flourish without it necessarily being the weightiest, heaviest, high stakes stakes conversation. And not to totally open up a whole other conversation right at the end of of quite a a long answer. But I do want to say that at some point we should we should have a further conversation about how to not not make things high stakes when they don't have to be. Um, because I think that is something we tend to do. We tend to to try to find the weightiest thing we can to prove our point or to defend our case. And I think that we don't always have to do that. Sometimes it can be light, exactly like you're talking about, Dan. Stymied, we hope this helps. And we hope that you're able to continue this book group with the minimum amount of drama between now and then, but that you're also able to resolve the situation with your newest member so that everyone can continue to enjoy. Our next question is titled Donation Dilemma. Dear Lizzie and Dan, we are going to a wedding. We've had the save the date for months, but have only just received the invitation. The happy couple have requested no gifts, but have asked for donations to be made to their chosen charity. I'd like to know how I go about telling them that we've made the donation or if indeed I should tell them that we've made the donation. Do I put a note in the wedding card? Just mention it in person. It seems tacky adding that we've donated money to our well wishes in their wedding card. Kind regards, Jacqueline. Jacqueline, thank you for sending a question with a short answer. (laughs) Um, It's very simple. You're going to send a card saying a donation to 
XYZ charity was made in your name in the amount of da 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 congratulations on your wedding coming wedding or your <laughs> wedding it's possible that the charity has a page set up or some sort of way to track and report that information back to the couple particularly if you've done it through a link that they've provided but you don't necessarily want to count on this and it can be really nice it can be really helpful for the couple to have a little physical reminder at some point they're going to be sending out thank you notes and it can be really really useful really helpful for them to have a little note from you saying yes we've made a donation and it, this note comes with your well wishes which I think is awesome. It's doubly great. It's a critical part of the good etiquette of the situation that that gift is also attached to a personal sentiment. After all, the oldest cliches are often the most true. And (laughs) it really is the thought that counts when you're giving a gift. But there's more. What's that? More questions coming up. But first, a word from our sponsors. Here, let's try another trick. Our next question is about online friends and funerals. A friend recently brought up the fact that he has quite a few people that he only knows from social media, some of whom he feels quite close to, despite the fact that he's never met them in person. If one of these people were to pass away, would it be all right to attend the funeral? How do you introduce yourself to the family or other friends? Thank you, Lise. This is a great question. Often this very similar answer comes from the idea of do we send invitations for the funeral? And what you actually do is you post uh, visiting hours or um, the time and place of the funeral publicly. And the reason for that is because you have no idea who the deceased has touched or who whose lives they've been a part of. Um, and it's, it's not to say that people have secret lives left, right and center, but Oftentimes there are places we frequent, there are uh, people that we kind of come across in our in our daily lives that would really like to pay their respects and say, I will miss you. And it's always been a pleasure to know you and and to say, have that moment. And it's a part of their grieving process as well. So um, much the same way for social media friends, people that you've never met in person, but you really have had a relationship with for quite a long time. Um, various social sites I've been a part of have, have allowed me to have that in my life. And I would want those people to know that I had passed away and and where they might be able to go to pay their last respects. Um, So it's totally appropriate to go. Uh, You might have to do a little digging to find out where it is if it wasn't just posted on the person's social media page, which does happen. Um, We will talk about dealing with social media and and the deceased another day. Um, But it it is perfectly appropriate to go. And when you do go and you greet the family, you can say, I was a friend of John's. Um, We had met via Facebook and had such wonderful conversations about gardening or football or whatever it is. Um, but but just state your connection and just say, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss and I'll, I'll truly miss the conversations that I got to have with him or her. It's a point of etiquette that I really like. I like the idea that funerals are, I, I don't want to say they're open invitation events, but they really are open to people who uh, knew the deceased and want to come pay their respects. That's one of the the purposes that they play. And we hear many stories about how funerals end up being really significant for friends and people who are close to someone who's passed because they um, really get to see and experience and feel the the totality, the fullness of someone's life and the potential to feel connected through those connections that someone's made is often an important part of the grieving process and part of really acknowledging and celebrating someone's life. We find that getting along with people is pretty important. Do you think you can do that? Oh, yes, I think I can. Thank you for your questions. Don't forget that you can send us updates and comments. You can leave a message for us at 802-866-0860 or shoot us an email at awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook with the hashtag awesomeetiquette. Love hearing from you, and our producer Hans is here to share some of your feedback with all of us. Hey! Hey! Hi, Hans. Uh, yeah, so we had some great feedback. First and foremost, can I just say the number of exclamation points that we got in our feedback this week, <laughs> all of them directed straight at Mr. Dan Posenning and the new baby. Yay. Aww. 
Well, thank you to everyone. Um, it was it was really exciting to share the good news and to feel it all reflected back as well. <laughs> it was pretty superlative. Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of exclamation of points. Fun. There are baby names coming in, Dan. Incidentally, yes. we're saving them up, so you just hang tight. <laughs> So our first piece of feedback today we got from Lindsay. Lindsay was over on Facebook and had something to say about the vacation photos on social media. Uh, this is a postscript that we did in episode 98. Um, and Dan was talking about the best ways not to overwhelm when you're posting some of your lovely sunset pics. So Lindsay says, sharing on social media is something that my now husband and I disagreed on when we first started dating. He does not like to post as much or at all. And I am much more inclined to post highlights of events, vacations, etc. as they happen. We eventually figured out what the underlying issue was. He expressed that he was disappointed when he'd go to relay something like a vacation experience with a friend in person, only to find out that they'd already heard about it from my post on Facebook. Whereas I have friends across the country, many of them whom I don't see for months or years at a time, and I want to share pieces of my life with them. Our compromise? I don't post as much as things happen, but I may post an album of highlights after he gets the chance to regale his friends in person. It works out pretty well, and it's allowed me to use some constructive criticism to enhance my own social media experience. That's awesome. Bravo. I No, I just, I love that figuring out something that's going to work, committing to it, and then, and seeing it work. That's just so awesome. And it's, I love that she's giving him the chance to not scoop the news. Or she's, he's giving... There's yes. <laughs> there's news that isn't being scooped here, but they're still both getting what they want. <laughs> and this is such a classic, too. The spouses that use social media differently. Yeah. Um, noted. Return to topic <laughs> for future postcards. Noted. Noted. Absolutely. Also noted is a response to our Pokemon Go postscript mm. that we did. We had uh, a bunch of responses to Pokemon did. Go. We did. And there were some of them were, um, one of my favorites was Pokemift was somebody who wrote in who just wanted people to be considerate of those who don't play, which I think is an absolutely great point. Um, that was Sarah who said that she wanted people to make sure that if, you're, if you are playing and there are people around who are not, that you include them as well. We had a great, however, set of clarifying points that I wanted to Mm. share from somebody who calls himself an aspiring Pokemon master and ambassador, who is thrilled at the idea of being an ambassador for these games and Pokemon specifically, which they had played for many years, and had some clarifying things that we were not able to cover or, or didn't quite get right. And I think this is really fantastic because they bring up some great points about the etiquette of Pokemon Go. So here they are. Number one, the radius in which Pokemon will appear is about 20 to 30 feet, so it is usually possible to reach a creature from an appropriate safe, legal, and non-disruptive place. So that's in response to our don't trespass, which can still be an issue, but generally if you're just walking down the street, you don't need to go into somebody's yard. So that's really important. Number two, augmented reality. The feature that overlays Pokemon over the existing world, so that means that if you have your camera out and you can see the Pokemon sitting on somebody's shoulder. That's <laughs> augmented reality. It can be disabled. This makes it less disruptive as it places the Pokemon directly in front of you and turns off the camera. Yeah. This prevents you from accidentally sharing or even giving the appearance of sharing photos of strangers. That's odd. I'm not sure that it does. Um, from the outside, it would look the same, but like you don't have a picture on your phone with pictures of strangers. I I disagree with that because that's how I play it. I play it with augmented reality turned off and my body language changes. Yeah. There you go. When you have the augmented reality on, you have to turn the phone to actually face the Pokemon in the world and Mm -hmm. you have to have it up. And it looks like you're taking a picture. But when you have it off, you can you can click on the Pokemon and then put it down just like you're doing a text message or checking Twitter or something like that. And it looks totally different in the way that you hold your phone. There you go. Um, so it is. it can actually be very different in how you interact with the world around you or how you're perceived to be interacting with the world I think that's you. what she's saying, that, that that feature can make it less disruptive. Yes, exactly. So number three. Pokemon that appear are not gone when they are caught by a player. So luckily, there's no need to resort to underhanded tactics or rudeness to beat someone to the punch. Oh, that's great. A courtesy that this person likes to extend to fellow gamers is to actually point out locations or rare or interesting Pokemon that they've seen nearby in hopes that this other person will return the favor. Since then, they can each get their own copy of the Pokemon at that location. Mm. 
And finally, number four, lures. So lures are what you put on a Pokestop, and they draw Pokemon to a specific location, so you don't have to wander around for them. Lures have been another way people are being good ambassadors. It's a great way to point people towards Pokemon Go-friendly businesses. They can even be a small act of charity, with some trainers placing them near hospitals, especially children's hospitals, to hopefully bring a little joy to what might be a difficult time for young patients or visitors. And I've heard about this, of doctors making sure that the Pokestops at the hospital are always filled with lures for all the children who are bedridden or can't get out. And are uh, playing Pokemon and that, Go. But they want to participate. Oh, oh. that's wonderful. Again, another way that we're seeing this really interesting, fun new game benefit more people in more ways than you would expect. That's right. I also want to take a quick moment to talk directly to one listener, Aaron, who sent in the feedback that they wanted to thank us for playing the full Pokemon theme song at the end of that that (laughs) postscript. She's a bartender in New York City and usually listens to the podcast in the wee hours of the morning. And hearing that song brought an unexpected smile to her face after a long shift. And Aaron, Aaron, I've been there, man. I've been there. (laughs) I have worked that bar shift. I have had that smile from something unexpected coming in. So that one was just for you. This next one's my favorite feedback we've ever got. I love this one, right? This is great, right? I learned so much in this two sentences. I know, right? Frank over in Facebook had feedback on our 100th episode and let us know that it is our centesimal episode, not our centennial episode. The former centesimal is for counting things and the latter is just for years. Ah, awesome. Centesimal. Thank you, Frank. That was amazing. That was amazing. Thanks to everyone who sent in some feedback, and please keep it coming. It really is so delightful to hear from you. It's time for the Postscript segment of our show, where we explore the exciting nuance of a single piece of etiquette. And today, to start off our next 100 shows, we decided to do a deep dive into our classic consideration, respect, and honesty principles. And this is really what Emily Post Etiquette is founded upon. It's it's the foundation of our business. It's when you say, but how do you come up with those rules? This is how we come up with them. And when there is no manner, when there is no... Uh, tradition that we as a culture hold ourselves to, this is how we figure out what to do. We use this little formula at the Emily Post Institute where we talk about etiquette being a combination of manners and principles. And as Lizzie just alluded to, the manners are those particular expectations we have of each other in a given social circumstance or situation. Oftentimes they're traditional. Oftentimes they're things that we've learned from other people. We've learned from the ancestors, from those that have come before us. And sometimes they develop a little more quickly, like when we're talking about Pokemon Go. Yep. (laughs) But they emerge all the time. Some of them we learn when we're kids. Some we learn as we grow up. But they're the particular expectations we have of each other. But, you know, you're never going to know exactly what's expected of you or the people around you all the time. We live in a, a dynamic, a fluid, a shifting world. Those manners are derived from principles, and those principles, as Lizzie mentioned, are consideration, respect, and honesty. So if you don't know the particular manner that applies in a given situation, you can often deduce them or figure them out or the way we do on this show, kind of work and craft a manner that's going to be appropriate for the given situation as long as you're operating from that basic foundation of consideration, respect, and honesty. And for a long time, we used to just say, just be considerate, respectful and honest. And as our company grew and developed and as the way we presented our material grew and developed, we realized that it was so important to really dig deep and define. So what does it mean to be considerate? How do you know that someone's being respectful? What does honesty look like in in problem solving situations? And so when we look at consideration, respect and honesty, we kind of have this way of talking about it that allows us to say the how. How do you act this way? And the first for consideration is we look at being considerate as thinking about who is involved in a situation and how they're affected by the situation. You're not solving it. 
You're just simply identifying it, much like Stymie did in our question. She was talking about Molly and she was saying, you know, this is a person who gets a lot from coming to this group. You know, she could probably really use a friend right now. She could use the social interaction. She's looking at who this person is and how she's affected by the situation. And then she's also looking at the group and herself and thinking, how are these people affected by the situation? How am I affected by the situation? That's all consideration is. You are literally considering the perspective of the other people involved. There are all kinds of ways you could approach the idea of consideration. You could think of it as mindfulness or awareness. You could think of it as really bringing your your attention away from the particulars and to the, the whole situation. Another response that I've had when I've taught this type of thinking is that, boy, from, from the military perspective, this sounds like situational awareness, which is something that's often talked about um, as the beginning of a decision-making process. And uh, I, I really like the approach to consideration being one of awareness. Yeah. To find any solution, we first have to be asking who's involved and how are they affected. So respect. We demand respect a lot, right? It's, I want respect. Respect me. You should respect me. I right? don't feel respected. I don't feel respected. It's a word that we know from a very young age. And what exactly are we talking about? And this is a, a definition for respect that uh, we've mined or extracted from our children's etiquette program, where teaching these abstract concepts can be really difficult, where you need very concrete and practical definitions. And we like to define respect as recognizing the worth or value, particularly of others, but also of yourself and for the things around you. So when you're talking to kids, you're talking about it being really important to have respect for elders, for teachers, for peers, for friends, but also for themselves and for the things that they interact with. So you don't write on your desk. You don't mm-hmm. <laughs> scratch on the, the paint of your locker. That's a respect for things. You break someone's toy. Yeah, exactly. Respect for things. When it's a, an adult audience, we'll talk about respect for traditions or respect for the larger social institutions and structures that support all of us. That, that there is a, a place where respect for tradition enters into the equation as mm-hmm. well. But most often we're talking about respect for others being recognizing their worth or value. That these are people who matter and we should take a little bit of care with the fact that they're involved in the situation. You have to recognize that they are there. That actually is the respect. (laughs) So the first part of the equation is really thinking about everyone involved. And the second part is really giving them their due, their credit, recognizing their worth and their value. So when we're looking at uh, how to solve a problem and we first looked at who's involved and how they're affected, the next thing that we do is we actually come up with with several potential solutions. And these can be good solutions to the situation or bad solutions. I mean, what you're really looking at is what are the various ways that this could really play out? And where respect comes in is when you start weighing how the different people involved are going to be affected by those different potential results. And that's the important thing to recognize is that you're not actually making the choice when you're thinking about respect. You're recognizing the value of the other people. You're recognizing that they matter by recognizing how all these different solutions would actually play out for them, either positively or negatively. Where you actually make the decision that you can feel good about is when we come to the principle of honesty. Because if Dan and I are in a situation and we're looking at it and we're thinking about, you know, his involvement, how he's affected, my involvement, how I'm affected, maybe our company's involvement, how it would be affected. And I'm sitting here going, okay, so I see that solution A is good for me and solution B would be good for Dan and solution C would probably be good for everybody. I have to be really honest about the fact that even though solution A is going to be what's best for me, solution C is probably the thing that we should go with because it's best for everybody. Um, And that's that's that moment of honesty where you're looking at those solutions and you're choosing to say this is what's best for everyone involved as opposed to this is just what's best for me. Or sometimes this is what's best for everybody else, but not for me. That can be just as disrespectful or showing a lack of etiquette because you're not putting yourself in a place of self-worth. 
But it's important to recognize that honesty is really doing the thing that is going to benefit the most people involved. One of the ways I really like to think about honesty is that there's the obvious first layer of honesty, that it's important to be truthful. But there's a a layer to that truth that I think is where the art of etiquette really comes into play. And that's that sincerity matters also. So that sincerity when we're teaching children often comes out when we talk about magic words. That we say, when you say please with sincerity, it opens doors. It makes things happen. When you say please sarcastically, you can really destroy or corrupt a relationship. Oh, please. Yeah. That it's not the word that's magic. The magic, the the art of good etiquette comes from the sincerity that you bring to a situation. So as you're making that choice, as you're you're looking at everybody who's involved (laughs) and how you recognize the worth and value of everyone, how you maximize that recognition of worth and value, that you're still operating from a place of sincerity. And as Lizzie starts to to talk about, well, option A is good for me, option B is good for them, option C is good for everybody. Sometimes there's an option that's going to be really difficult, but it's the truthful, honest, sincere option. thing to do. (laughs) And then figuring out how you're going to do that then becomes the complication, but you have to operate from that place of sincerity. So the way those principles of consideration, respect, and honesty play with each other really, to me, is, is where we have the fun as we think about etiquette and we, we try to come up with solutions that are aware, that are respectful, and that are sincere or authentic. That's how we do it. That's consideration, respect, and honesty. And when you hear us refer to it on the show, um, we really, truly believe and have seen time and time again how operating from those three principles and and using them in that order, really thinking about who's involved and how are they affected? How does each potential solution positively or negatively affect the players involved? And then honestly, what is the best thing for everybody? That watching it play out is so satisfying because you really feel like in when whenever I do it in my personal life, I think, wow, okay, That worked. Despite my nerves, despite my worry, despite, you know, my own comfort levels, that worked and it got us to the place we needed to get to. It is, um, you know, etiquette is a funny thing. It does, as Dan was saying, the manners change over time. They cross cultural boundaries. You know, some people bow, some people kiss, some people hug to say hello, some people shake hands. What they're all doing is an act of consideration, recognizing another person, respect, showing them that you welcome them into your space, um, being honest about who you are. You know, that goes back to the knights and the not, you know, Mm -hmm. shaking a hand shows that you don't have a weapon. Um, And it's it's so gratifying to see these things play out over time. And to see them as a tool that we have that works for making our interactions and our relationships better. It's sorry, I'm getting really sentimental here, but it just it is. It's 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 really cool. And I'm really excited by it. So I'll take us back to an analytical place and I'll throw a little homework assignment out there for anybody that wants to tackle it. I've, I've given this assignment a lot of times and I, I don't think I've gotten the answer quite yet. And that's that I want to know the calculus equation. We we sort of as a shorthand say etiquette equals manners plus principles. And I really think it's a calculus equation. I think etiquette equals manners derived from principles. I think that the the principles are the higher order uh, I was gonna say, part of the function here. I like failed math, so I am not going to be coming up with this so, so So I'm imagining etiquette equals a little sideways W with a little open infinity <laughs> sign. And there's going to be manners and principles in there somewhere. So if anyone wants to take a shot at the calculus equation, I would love to see it. <laughs> So in the spirit of continuing to open up this discussion about etiquette, Lizzie and I are going to take one of our questions next week and really be explicit about applying the process that we use to problem solve an etiquette dilemma. And we look forward to doing that with you next week. How long now before you'll be going out to make your own way in the world? Not very long, I guess. And whatever you do, wherever you go, you want to put your best foot forward. It's time for our Etiquette Salute of the Week. And this week's salute comes from Greg and Amy, who got married last year in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Hey, Lizzie and Dan. This is Greg Huffaker, and I'm with my wife. Hey, this is Amy. (laughs) And we live in Denver, Colorado. So we got married at the La Fonda Hotel, which is right in downtown Santa Fe. And we got married on the rooftop with a great band. And because it's really easy to, you know, 
see that there's a concert or a wedding going on from the outside, the hotel had security. Um, a little bit of background. We had this incredible uh, wedding coordinator named Sammy, who's been doing this for many, many years. And she's always tells her employees, absolutely never let anyone in if they're not on the guest list. Yep. And then at the end of the night, one of her security guards walked up to her and triumphantly said he hadn't let anyone in, not even Katy Perry. And that um, Katy Perry and her mom, apparently, were staying at the hotel and heard our band, J.J. and the Hooligans, uh, from the street and wanted to come up and hear them. I didn't find out until the next morning. My mom thought I would be really upset to find out that Katy Perry did not come to my wedding. <laughs> I think it's uh, great that we have this story that we had a wedding that Katy Perry couldn't get into. Some people are like, oh, it would not have been great. She would have stolen the spotlight from you, and you're the bride, and you're supposed to be the center of attention. Um, but at the same time, it would have been really fun to dance and possibly sing with Katy Perry. <laughs> I don't think I would have enjoyed that very much. So I have mixed feelings about it. I don't know if I've really settled one way or the other. So our salute is to Stanley Doffler, who was the organizer of the wedding. First of all, it was great that she let us know in the first place that this had happened. You know, she's very apologetic. She took full responsibility that she had said not to let anyone in and that this was her fault. And she also let us know in the future she had uh, fixed this and let her security guards know, changing her instructions to, if a celebrity comes, to go find the bride and groom, ask them what they would like. And I really like that because I thought it really puts the focus on the people the night's about. It wasn't, you know, come tell me, come find the parents, come find their other wedding planner, find out whatever the celebrity wants. It's what does the bride and groom care about for their special evening? You know, I I love this story. I, I love this story. This is a great etiquette salute. But I love the fact that it led to actually a change in policy that is so incredibly considerate and respectful and honest. Yeah. Um, so following our CRH, this is like a perfect etiquette salute. Uh, yeah, I couldn't um, second that salute to Sammy uh, with any more enthusiasm. Uh, what, what a great solution to modify, learn, grow, change the approach. And I just have to share that when you got to the Katy Perry part of the story, Lizzie and I both just exclaimed out loud in the studio. That really is a phenomenal story. Thank you for sharing that. You see what I mean about putting your best foot forward? And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send your question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can reach us by phone at 802-866-0860. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And help us out. Please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by Hans Buto. 